Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Advanced Real Estate Investing Talk with my friends Glenn and Darcy. Today, the topic will be first deal. So we're going to dive into each of us uh, first deal and uh, what, what it was, uh, how we got the financing, uh, and also, you know, what were our first experiences expectations what happened and lessons learned because uh first deal usually uh can be a source of some mistakes so darcy would you like to start us off today yeah absolutely it's good because the first deal they can either make or break if you do a bad first deal you may not get a chance to do a second um it takes a lot of capital to do these kind of things uh and our first deal was a joint venture with my father-in-law uh i was recently married to his only daughter and this is shameful to admit but i had three years of unfiled taxes i knew i had a huge return coming because i worked a ton of overtime but i was young and stupid and thinking of other things and just never got around to it so when i finally filed those tax returns i got a thirty thousand dollar return nice uh, yeah sweet grudgingly given to me back back by cra and uh you know, our choices then, I had, uh, uh, was hustling, my wife was in university, and our choices then I put to my wife was, we could either eat this money for the next two years or do something smart with it, but I didn't know what smart looked like, and I would have known smart if it would have walked up to me and said, hi, my name is smart. But her father was a real estate uh, developer, and I was t intimidated by him. I didn't know what to call him. I would just get in front of his eyes if I wanted to talk to him. So uh, I was a little bit intimidated and scared of him, but he came to us and said, hey, I got a deal, you guys interested? And I said right away, yes, because I knew we just frittered away. I knew we'd find some way to find food and rent, but $30,000, even now, that's a lot of money to waste. Yep. So I gave it to him. And the first deal was $17,685. We bought a one sixth share in a Northern BC um, office building. Uh, that was underwater and had been uh, for sale for over two and a half years. And in his travels, he saw an old sign that was weathered, barely could make out who the realtor was, which is a good sign. It means it's been out there a long time. Um, and that's what he did. He bought it. He syndicated the deal. We put our 17685 in with him. And I never heard another word for three and a half years. And I'd, you know, almost forgotten about it. And we got a check for 500 bucks. No explanation, just an empty a check in an envelope for $500. How, how long afterwards did you get this 500? Sorry? Yeah, we bought it in 92 and three and a half years, we got the first check for $500. Okay. And then we got another check and then he came out to visit us. And by then we were living in Toronto and I was at U of T and finished up there and teaching school. And he said, hey, you guys should buy a house. And we thought that was ridiculous. Our rent in Toronto was $525 plus parking. And a, a house would have been $1,300, $1,400 a month payments, even for a crappy house in East Toronto. Yeah. But we did. He said, money's coming. You should buy a house. You should start looking. And that $17,685 returned $37,900. I kept the bank receipt in my savings account. That's the most money I'd ever seen in my life. Wow. I still have it. It's one of those old slips out of the ATM. And I printed it after I put the money in. So I'd have a record of how much was in my account because who knows where my passbook was. But that first investment after 
just under four years returned to us 200 times our money, twice over. We used that money to buy our first house. Two and a half years later, we sold that first house and took 50 grand out of it in profit, plus our 37 and bought our house in Surrey. And that first best deal put up, set up every other deal thereafter. We had paid off that house and used a line of credit to buy the next buildings and the ones after that and the ones after that. So one, and incidentally, that building we still own, we refinanced it four times. It's now, we bought it for 600,000, 595. It's now worth 2.5 million. We've refinanced it four, five times since then. We've taken out, our side of that, we've taken out almost $700,000. Um, and we still own the building. We have a low mortgage on it. It's less than 30% of loan to value. Um, and it's provided all our kids dental, all of our vacations, um, all of the juice in our life for the next 20 years was paid for by that one first good deal. So, so you're I'm an evangelist for what real estate can do. I just have to point to our very first good deal and the leadership of my father-in-law, Rudolf Heidenberg, give him a little shout out, um, in getting us all into that deal. It was spectacular. And uh, so what was his vision when he took over this property that had been uh, for sale for so long? Um, you know, what you're doing, Glenn uh, said it last week, he's just fixing problems. It is just a series of small problems that you have to fix. And some, they look like a tangled mess. It looks like some bad contractor's extension cord when you first get in there. But you start on the first problem and you just persist fixing problems. The tenants are all at each other's throats because... They each had individual meters, but the meters were all confused. Nobody knew who was paying and they wanted to kill each other because they thought that the coffee shop was getting the power from the government agent. And the government agent thought that the insurance company was, was you know, using their water. So his first thing was he put one meter on the whole building and made all the rents gross. He said, uh, the rent is what the rent is and I'll pay for all the stuff. I'll pay for all your utilities all your property tax insurance, I'll clean the sidewalks, I will fix your problems, and you won't have to fight with your neighbor or anyone ever again. Everyone was so happy with that. It remains their only project that's gross rent, but it solved a, a pile of problems. He did, didn't have to fix any meters, he just ripped them all out, put one meter ahead of all the rest, and threw the rest of the stuff away. Solved the problem in one fell swoop. Can you explain for the audience maybe the difference between gross rent and rent and net rent? Yeah, you know, that's a good idea. So most people are familiar with the gross rent. That's what you get when you're a tenant. Your landlord says the rent's $600 a month, and it includes water, heat, your electricity. And he doesn't tell you that he's got to insure the building, that he's got to um, clean the sidewalks, that he's got to pay any of these other things. It's your rent's your rent. But in a commercial property, uh, a little bit more sophisticated math, uh, stuff is going on there. Um, property managers for a commercial enterprise will know that property taxes go up and down in a given year. And they only wanna pay the actual, because what if the property taxes go down, the landlord pays less, but the rent remains the same. The landlord's got an undeserved increase on your rent because the property taxes went down. Or what if you negotiated better terms for insurance? Same thing. You're not actually paying the actual cost of insurance or property tax. You're paying a gross amount and a landlord's gonna cover his butt in case it goes up. So those rents are always grossed up to cover the eventuality of an increase. In commercial stuff, you show your cards. The rent is the rent, and the additional is the property tax, common area maintenance, and insurance, and you show the actuals. So we show to our tenants, here's the actual cost of chucking all that snow off. Here's the actual cost of the insurance. Here's a copy of the policy. Here's the property tax assessment. 
here's the water utilities. They see the actual costs. If it goes up, they pay more. If it goes down, they pay less. It's fair. In a, in a, you can't do that for 500 tenants in a giant apartment building. It's, it just, it would be an unworkable thing, but for a sophisticated property manager working with another sophisticated property manager, you show your cards, you settle up and it's good. Thank you. So we see that from the get-go, you start with syndication, which is very interesting. So we're trying to stick to 15 minutes. So Glenn, can you give us a, a <laughs> deep dive into your, your first, My first one? My first one isn't as glamorous as uh, Darcy's. I'm <laughs> <laughs> married well, man. <laughs> so I wanted to do real estate for a bunch of years, right? Um, my parents, they always had a duplex that I fixed up my entire life. Um, so I, I, I felt like I knew the industry, but I honestly didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about anything. Uh, no education on like real estate education. It was just, I felt I could do this. So some things changed in my life. Uh, me and a girlfriend who owned a house together, we broke up. Um, I basically bought her out of the house and went crazy to pay out, uh, you know, cause I took a, um, a line of credit, HELOC on the house to pay her out of it. And then uh, I went crazy to pay that off. Once I had that paid off, I went to the bank, uh, well, a broker, I got the property refinanced and got a chunk of cash. So <laughs> uh, I went, you know what I'm doing? I'm going into Waterloo and I'm gonna buy into this quad. So I bought that. Um, <laughs> I honestly didn't know what I was doing. I put tenants in there. Um, the screening process was lax. It was like, you know, fill out this form that I found online. Um, I'm going to call your employer and that's about it, right? Like it was based on the thing. Um, and what I basically created was the breakup building. So I kept getting, I thought the safest thing to do was to get families. So I kept getting, you know, families with kids. And I was like, that's who I'm going to put in these. And it's going to be, you know, they seemed like the most solid to me. So the first one lasted about four to six months and then they broke up. And then the husband tried to keep the place going and he was there on his own and he couldn't afford it. Right. He really couldn't afford it. And he'd pay me, he was like a contractor or something. So he'd pay me like 300 bucks and a thousand bucks and whatever he could get. And it was just, I was constantly going to this property to go pick up pieces of rent all the time. Uh, and so then he, the, finally, I, I just came up to him. I said, look, I know we have a lease, but maybe it's best that you just move on. I'm like, I think it's, it's not even for me. I think it's best for you to, uh, to get something that you can actually afford. Cause this is going to sink you. You're like, I can tell you're struggling. He went his way. And then I got this other family to come in and the second family that came in, I did the exact same thing. I didn't learn anything from the first time I did this, put another family in and same thing happened. They broke up <laughs> four to six, maybe, maybe they lasted a little bit longer, maybe eight months. They broke up too. Um, the female and the kids, they all left and got this guy again. But this guy was uh, a bit of a shady character. So he was always like skirting me. He was always telling me to meet him at the property at certain times. He'd make sure he was never there. So I had to start surprising him and trying to show up. And it turned into this whole thing. And I learned a lot because I had to go through the whole uh, landlord board, tenant board. Um, we did the full eviction on my first property in just uh, probably right around the one year mark of owning it, going through the whole landlord tenant board. Um, 
So got the, got him out, spent all the money. Um, I was really upset about the whole thing. I, um, they changed the locks with the, if the, with the sheriff, if you've ever done that procedure before. Uh, and they had to, I wanted to do something with the property. So I had all this stuff and I wasn't allowed to throw it out. So I had to keep it. I believe it was for 30 days. So it all moved to my garage. And um, the, I think it was like three days after the sheriff, which is a police officer, came in and removed all the removed the guy, basically gave him five minutes to get as much of his stuff as he can and then to arrange with me, which we never saw him again. He never saw him again. And the reason we never saw him again, because three days after he'd left, the police called me. And they're like, hey, is I won't say names, but is this person your tenant? And I said, yes, we need access to the property. And so they went in there and they were going through everything. They had to come over to my house for the stuff I'd moved to my garage. They had to go through everything because he was running a scam. Uh, and so he, there was a warrant for his arrest. So that's another uh, good screening that I did. <laughs> so got this wonderful guy in there. Um, they, they, they weren't. At the time, I thought they destroyed the house based on it was a new build. And I considered that destroyed because the walls had to be repainted. Uh, it was only been a year too, right? There was this red mark all over the wall because they had like sheets, red sheets for curtains. And they basically stained the walls underneath every window. Um, but anyway, I went through this whole thing. Um, and that, that was my first one. And this is kind of a tale of like how some people can be delirious off the start because everything went wrong. Uh, I didn't do my thing right, but you know what happened? I said, you know what? I'm going to sell the property. I'm going to sell the property and I'm never doing real estate again. So I put it up, sold it, and I made $50,000 more than I paid for it. And <laughs> and you people go, what? And you're like, but it, everything was done wrong. Every, I screwed everything up. But sometimes the market will bail you out. And it doesn't mean that you're a real estate investor because that was a cluster of mistakes and things done wrong and not done right. And if I was in a flat market, I would have lost a lot of money because of all the stuff I had to go through. Um, so keep it in your mind that sometimes you're, you got to bring your ego down a little bit because sometimes it's just this market. And right now in Ontario, I just talked to my realtor and in four months, they're saying that my house appreciated $75,000 in four months. Yeah. So that will bail out anyone almost, no matter how stupid you've made mistakes, but beware, like there, corrections happen. Corrections happen in Canada. Corrections happen in U.S. I just interviewed a guy two days ago on my other show, and he was talking. He's been investing for so many years, and he's talking about going through the Canadian recession in 1989 and going through that. They do happen. People forget that these happen. You, you do need some education. You do need to learn from your mistakes and get better because this isn't sustainable. Like, I, I got lucky. I, I did stop <laughs> investing in real estate for about a year and a half, and then I, I sat back and I was like, that was miserable. But I went, but I made $50,000 minus some fees and stuff, right? But I'm like, it, it's just like, maybe I'm onto something here, but I need to learn what to do properly. I need to start reading some books and learning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a year's wages, 50 yeah. grand. Exactly. That's not the sign yeah. of your debt. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's a huge success. I think the point you should be making too. Real estate's an asset-backed uh, investment. 
if you had Enron shares, they went to less than zero. You know, you make a mistake on a stock, you can be erased entirely. At least there's a breaks on this market will somehow stop at some point. Um, yeah. Awesome story. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's also interesting to see that um, you know you you don't say you don't say no to real estate all at once just because of one experience. I know I, I like to say to people be very very careful your first experience what your first experience is going to be. But with you, Glenn, your first experience you you saw the positive in it and you were able to focus on that and then make the decision to to uh, educate yourself to to then come back to real estate. That's uh, that's great. It's okay, so now myself. Yeah. Um, it was a, on a rainy Sunday in the summer uh, that I I, I, I met with a realtor. <laughs> You're really setting the stage here. I love it. <laughs> and um, and I, I I'd been looking around and asking around if some realtors were eager to to meet with me. And actually, only one would meet with me on a on a Sunday and it was regarding um, a fourplex and and the, the fourplex needed TLC. It needed, the shingles were kind of done. Uh, it needed three new windows and among repairs that I, I can remember because it's been a, a little bit of a while. Um, and that was my first experience with remote repair management. Uh, and I, I, I used Kijiji to find a, a contractor to help me. And I had a system, I wanted pictures before I would send funds. And the problem is, I've learned later, it's, it's a major job. And uh, you don't start a relationship with a contractor on a major job when you don't know them. And uh, despite That's my little tip. system. <laughs> That's a great tip. People should write that one down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, he, he, he would send me pictures of the roof but only the section where he put the new shingles. That way, he didn't show me that he didn't remove the old shingles. He was just putting a second layer of shingles on top. So that was one thing. And, and, then, and then I don't remember what happened, but I remember talking to his ex-girlfriend of his, and she was up to him for money as well, and I think I was too. And, but, and it was interesting because the money for the repair, the renovations were part of the mortgage. So the bank would release the funds as I was going submitting receipts to them. So that was an interesting experience. Um, I had one vacancy, so I had to deal with that. And like Glenn, uh, tenant screening, uh, the two, I like to do it the following way. I like to ask uh, for two references, former landlord and current employer. And, and I ask for, I ask a lot of questions usually when I do that. And I'm, and sometimes I remember a few instances where the, the, answer, the answers were a bit fishy. So when I call a landlord, I, I make sure to, to talk about shared experience as a landlord. So, you know, landlord experience, do they have the, the, the answers that would, you could expect from a landlord? And when you call the employer, I make sure that they're full-time or, and I try to find out their hourly rate. And yeah, and then I got this new tenant, and it was it was a good match. And um, the other thing I'd like to talk about was uh, one day I was at the property and and I met the tenant. And you know, guys, that I'm into mindfulness, and there is a book by John Kabat-Zinn about uh, stress, uh, role stress, and it's it was interesting because I had this look and this conversation with the tenant, and in her eyes, I was the landlord. I was. 
I was the bad guy. So there was a uh, there was role and expectations connected with this role, and that that was my first experience of the 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 role of landlord and what what this can mean to to other people. And in terms of lessons learned. Like we were saying earlier, I think um, you need to establish a relationship of trust with uh, handy people you use. And now what I do is I have a roster of people that help me with my properties. And, and I, 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 I'm always on the lookout for new people to help. And what I do is I give them easy tasks at the beginning, get some pictures, get to see their skill level and, uh, and go from there. And, uh, And also, you, word of mouth is good if you if you talk to other contract other if you talk to other landlords and and use their the contractors that they use, yeah. and uh, yeah. So that's my experience with my first uh, deal. And uh, what happened with the property? Was that a fix and flip, or do you still hold it? I still hold it. I don't do fix and flips. I'm, I'm buy and hold, and uh, yeah, I still hold it. Yeah. Well, that's. That's good. I mean, yeah, we still have this one. This is 1992 when we purchased it. So it's one of the oldest ones. Uh, it's the oldest one I'm involved in. Um, but uh, yeah, it's thrown off great cash flow. Uh, we've improved it. New roofs, new HVAC units, new facade. You're fixing things that you fixed 20 years ago now. They've worn out. Mm -hmm. Your second time around on something. But if the thing cash flows so well. Yeah, it's a great buy and hold. So if they want to talk more, how would people get a hold of us? Glenn, you got another podcast and you're a, a media darling, I understand. How would they get a hold of you? Uh, <clears throat> for me, you could check out my podcast. You can come to my webpage. It's probably the easiest way. I've been more leaning people over there, glennsutherland.com instead of the email. But they, they do, from my webpage, there is a submit form. You can just send it. It'll send an email to me anyway. So it's easier than trying to remember all the different handles to get me. But you can probably from there with one end and Glenn, um, you can from there get to, you know, I think it's all linked up to Facebook, the podcast, the YouTube channel, my email. Um, yeah, SpeakPipe is installed. So you can click the button and you can send a voicemail to me. And honestly, if you have questions, that would be awesome to send them there, even for this show or the other show. And then we could even answer questions and actually put a little bit of an audio clip in would be awesome. Oh, That's yeah. a great idea. And Ori, how can they get a hold of you? So the mindfulinvestor.net. Okay. What about you, Darcy? I really don't know. I'm a man of a certain age. I'll mix drinks. How about that? Okay. Okay, we'll figure out a way. Yeah, so thank you everybody for attending this uh, episode of uh, Advanced Real Estate Talk. We were glad to have you and uh, hope you enjoyed the show, the content, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.